Festival One podcast. far the quietest venue that I've um, introduced a speaker in, and I think it's because it's a church. It's like instantly the mood comes down. It's really reverent. Um, But so it should be, because the next speaker definitely deserves our full attention. Uh, I was going to start introducing him by using some key Swahili phrase, like kribu or jambo or something like that, because I thought that they spoke key Swahili in Uganda, which I think they do, but um, in the place that we're going to be hearing about, there's actually a different language spoken. So instead, I'm going to say that uh, the man who you're going to be hearing from today needs absolutely no introduction. Uh, His um, passion and enterprise has enabled us to be able to stay hopped up all weekend and able to enjoy all the um, arts and and music that that is on offer. Um, So Jacob Parsons is going to be sharing with us um, a little bit about Hamadava Um, the Social Cup Coffee Enterprise. Uh, He's going to be building on a talk from last year about sourcing um, coffee beans directly for your trade um, and telling us a little bit more about the impact that these beans and this coffee that you've been enjoying is having in the Kunungu community in Uganda. So please join me in welcoming Jacob to the stage. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just grab my water. Uh, Apologies if my voice breaks while I'm talking, but I picked up some sort of bug while I was sitting up, and it might have been the dust, so I've sounded like a 13-year-old boy for some of the weekend. But, um, yeah, so thanks for the introduction, and thanks for um, the privilege of speaking. Um, I am, yeah, so I was thought I'd give you a bit of um, a, like, intro into who I am by trying to be a bit relevant with social media. So has any of you guys heard of that 10-year challenge on Instagram? Is that... So there's a little break there. Um, you guys have heard of that? So for those of you who haven't, um, there's something going on on Instagram where people are posting up photos of themselves 10 years ago <clears throat> and, then, um, and then, then photos of them now. Um, there's also some uh, conspiracy theories going around that Facebook's trying to get you with the algorithms and trying to do facial recognition. So I actually haven't done one myself, but I thought I'd share one with you today. So um, there's a photo there of me. Ten, oh, it's actually... Technically, it's nine years ago, because that was 2010, but that was the first time I went to Uganda. Um, And so, but for the purpose of this talk, we'll call it about 10 years ago. And then there is my attempt at the 10-year challenge. Um, So there's, those are three, those are our three kids. Um, So there was some heavy bribing going on to get them to sit like that. Um, Chocolate and also Asher on the right. Uh, Yeah, you're right, he... Four and a half, wanted you all to know that he is very fast at running. And Roman on the left is, loves dinosaurs. And that's two in the middle. She's eight months old, so she didn't really need bribing. Um, well, she just need like clapping behind the camera. So um, yeah, so, um, so that, first, that first picture there of me, the first time I went to Uganda, is kind of a bit about what I wanted to talk about today. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, back in 2010, I went to Uganda with my... She wasn't my wife at the time, but my girlfriend, Emily, and um, she's my wife now, obviously, and we, we, I went over with her. She runs a charity called The Village Project, and we build concrete water tanks up there um, to collect rainwater in villages where the, there's lots of rain, but they don't have access to clean drinking water. Um, and yeah, as a couple, we've been involved up in Uganda for the last 12 years, um, going up, or Emily's been up there for 12 years, I've been for the last t- 9 or 10, um, and every time I go, um, I g- 
um, I do a bit of coffee research because Uganda is a really big coffee-producing nation. In fact, the biggest coffee farm in Africa is in Uganda, and we went there on that same trip um, to check it out. And over the, so over the years, we've been multiple times, and we've built up some really strong connections with local Ugandans, um, and one in particular, Gerald, who I shared about last year, but I'll catch you guys up for those of you who weren't here. Um, so Gerald, he runs a coffee processing company called Gorilla Summit Coffee. And he's really special to us in the sense that when we connected with him, we felt a real sense of the same heart. So we, both my wife and I, Emily and I, have a real passion for community transformation through our business. So everything we do, we want to make sure that um, it impacts communities positively. And so when we when we connected with you, um, Gerald, um, we felt that he had a really uh, the same heart as us. So he's from a region called Kanungu. Um, is it going to work? There is a photo of him here somewhere. That's him there. The the darker guy. <laughs> um, and he yeah. So he he's in a place called Kanungu, which is um, on the western border of. Uganda. It's about five hours drive from the closest thing that you'd call a road. Um, it is an incredibly remote area. Um, so Uganda's sort of in the middle. They call it the Pearl of Africa. And um, you've got Lake Victoria at the bottom. And then on the west side, you've got Congo. And on the east side, you've got Kenya. And on the south side, you have Tanzania and Sudan is above. So it's out near Congo. Actually, from, from here, you can actually see the hills of Congo, which is really cool. Um, so Gerald, Gerald's like a multi-generational, um, involved multi-generationally in community transformation. So his father, Hamlet, um, it's a great name, he um, actually, the reason he, funny, funny story, the reason he got his name is because his, when he was born, his older brother had just got back from studying in London and he'd been studying the Shakespeare play and suggested that that would be a great name for his mum to call him that. So... So yeah, he's Hamlet. So his, his father, Hamlet, has really pioneered this community transformation in, over there. He was the first Christian MP in Uganda and saw a massive shift in their parliament. Um, he set up five primary schools, <clears throat> two high schools, and a university in the area um, doing trade and, trade and enterprise. Um, his, and this is pretty cool. His town didn't have running water, so he built a dam somehow and piped water to the town. So the town is one of the very few towns in the west that has um, piped water to it. So he's a legend. Um, and now his son, Gerald's picked up the vision. He's the same age as me, about 33, 34. Um, and he's pioneered this coffee processing company and works with about 1,800 coffee farmers, uh, teaching them how to grow higher quality coffee. Um, and then he pays them as long as it's good quality. And this was the really key that I connected with from a roasting perspective because um, if we get good quality coffee, it means that people are going to come and drink it. Um, but we want to make sure that the farmers are getting, aren't getting ripped off. Um, so, and then he, so he gives them that extra income. He also plows the profits of his business back into his community. And then he also teaches them strategies on how to, um, what, how to spend that extra income. So a couple of the strategies are solar panels on the roofs. So uh, a lot of the children go to school. Oh, a lot of the houses don't have power in the coffee farmers. And um, the, so the children go to school. 
they come back, they help out in the garden with the coffee or the cassava or whatever, and then till dark, and then it's, they've either got kerosene lamps, which are really bad for the health, or they um, go to sleep. So they've been setting up solar panels with light bulbs, which has been radically transforming the um, education system over there, so that um, these kids out in the remote areas extends their, extends their study time. Um, they're, they're investing in community uh, maternity clinics. So uh, Kanungu has one of the highest rates of infant mother mortality in, in childbirth. So it's just so remote. Um, a lot of the houses and the places where they are quite dirty. Um, and so Gerald and a group are investing in setting up clinics so that mothers and children are safer in that process. Um, so I messaged, I messaged Gerald on Thursday when I was setting up to ask for a, an actual story of a guy to tell you, actually to tell the staff to motivate them to make better coffee this weekend. Um, and I thought I'd give you, a, I'd read it to you. So when we were there, we walked into, um, this is us walking into the bush for a couple of hours um, to visit a guy called Anthony, which is there. This is the guy in the blue. Sorry, that's the best photo I had. It's more of me, really, but it's, we're actually talking about the guy in the blue. Um, and so he sent me this message. It said, do you remember Anthony, the farmer we visited when you were here? His situation. His brother died of HIV, left behind a wife and two kids. He's the sole breadwinner for his homestead, so he already has a lot of kids himself. He's got a tiny shop and a trading centre selling general household merchandise, shop, oh, soap, sugar, salt, kerosene, bananas, gin and beer. Um, Anthony's sister-in-law took off leaving her children behind and also leaving 150 coffee trees. Um, but through the education process that he has been working with, I mean, Anthony, he's been picking really well and he's been getting the top premium. Um, Gorilla Summit actually legally adopted his children so that they would have a better life and sending them to school. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, this is the cool part of the story is that Anthony actually called him up last week and said um, that... They don't need to pay for stuff anymore because <clears throat> he's built up his coffee farm enough so that he can actually afford to send the kids himself to school, which is really cool. Um, and, that, and he wants Gerald to be able to help other people in the area. Um, <clears throat> what's really interesting about that story is that I've never heard anyone in Africa say no to giving money away um, or like to receiving money. Um, it's mostly it's like this sort of condition to... Um, want want the money, whereas because I th well, this is my theory that because Gerald there in the light blue is a local guy who's helping out, they've got way more like, hey, you're helping us out, you don't need to help us anymore. Can you help someone else out? So it was a really special story for me that um, yeah, so it's really cool. Um, so we're working with Gerald and bringing his coffee in, um, and we're working with we're kind of working at the moment on how to get some key measurables of the local area so that when, as we, as our relationship develops more and more, we can um, make sure that these 1,800 coffee farmers <clears throat> are tracking in the right direction. So, we're also working on coffee quality um, to make sure that his coffee is good. And we're also serving his coffee this weekend. So the, all the coffee that you've been drinking from the cafe uh, the nitro, the espresso, uh, has been Gerald's coffee. Um, so another thing that I really liked about that 10-year challenge is that it 
caused me to reflect back on my journey in coffee and from the first time I went to Africa and had a dream of like wanting to engage and work and help make these farmers' lives better um, and right up until now and what I, what I wanted to do. So, and I wanted to share some reflections and learnings of working with that and then the tangible start of actually bringing the coffee in and serving it. And then at the end, um, we're going to have cold brew communion. So um, we're going to hand out some cups. And I'd quite like to create a moment where you could have a, have a tangible memory of thinking about like your, a dream that you may have that God's given you and, a, and the gap where it is. So does that make sense? Sort of for most people. It's good. Um, so when I came to sat down, I was, ref- I was sat down and prepared for the talk. I was re- reflecting on the last nine years. And, and so like right back when I first went, right through to now. And it, it, nine years is a long time. And I definitely don't want to take away from like how long things take. But what I was thinking about was the perspective of where your heart's at when you're pursuing your dream. Um, and one thing I wanted to think about was, is it from condemnation and beating yourself up? about this big dream you've got and how is it going to happen? Or is it, con- from, is it from conviction? God's given me this dream. It's going to be somehow doable. I've got to trust God. So condemnation or conviction. So in 2010, when I went to Uganda with the Village Project, Emily and I went and visited various coffee farms in Uganda and Tanzania. And I worked picking coffee with the farmers. Um, and I sort of learned about where their lives are at. And I was really interested in like, at that time, like 10 years ago, fair trade was really taking off in terms of advocacy and they were doing amazing things at shifting the market and awareness in that space. And I really, it was a really unique opportunity that being in Africa and then actually talking with the farmers. And yeah, fair trade do an awesome job and definitely love what they do. But I, because I had a personal relationship with coffee farmers, I came back with a real heart and, and a dream to... Um, I'd love to use my business somehow to help, you know. Um, and at that stage, I had a coffee cart selling coffee on the side of the road in West Auckland. So naturally, I thought, okay, I could build up my business, start going through heaps, of, start selling heaps of coffee, um, and then slot the Ugandan coffee in when I reach a big enough point, um, and you know, to, into what we're already doing. Um, and it, it's, I think it's an okay strategy, like on reflection, like there's nothing wrong with it. The key mistake in my, that I, I made in my heart was I didn't actually believe that it was possible. And instead of being honest and sort of, you know, taking that unbelief of like whether it's even possible and praying that through with God or talking to it with people, I really sat on it and it really eroded my, that conviction of like God's given me a dream. And, and, and so I just sort of lived in this thing of like, I don't, I'm doing this thing, but I actually don't think it's possible and didn't really do anything about it. Um, and the reason I didn't think it was possible was at that point I had a, just had a coffee cart on the side of the road in West Auckland, and there were plenty of other bigger coffee companies that, w- that I just com- compared myself to. Um, and I think if I'd taken it to God then, on reflection, um, he might have encouraged me and caused me to connect with scriptures that are, you know, like Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And, like, there's some great stories of people starting stuff in the Bible or maybe give me some wisdom about the futility of comparisons. Like, you know, if you're better than someone, you're just being prideful. And if you're worse than someone, you've just got envy, like no real point. These are things I've learned since. But 
I sort of just sat on this thing, it's not really possible, and it, I almost hit it. Um, and on reflection, it was my heart response that delayed progress. I shouldered that God dream myself. When I reached at the end of my capabilities, I didn't involve God, who gave it to me, and said I just secretly blamed myself when things didn't work and kept going. Things didn't stop happening completely, however, because God's totally interested in all of our development, and probably because my wife is very called by God in this area and has no problem in telling me exactly what I need to be doing <laughs> or challenging me. Um, and it's not like we sat around and did nothing. We started roasting our own coffee, which increased our volumes. Um, we started a cafe when we returned to Uganda multiple times. But that heart condition of it probably won't work, we're so small, combined with not taking that to God, meant that when there were roadblocks and challenges out of our control, it caused me to question the very core of why we're even doing this, and then shoulder the blame myself when things not working. Uh, so one example of this is the, is the logistics of actually bringing the coffee in. So Uganda is, I would say, one of the more sketchy countries to export from um, in terms of like even getting your product. Um, and then New Zealand is one of the strictest uh, countries in terms of biosecurity, um, especially with food products. Um, it's a very real challenge. And so last year I talked, I was super pumped and I was real excited and I talked about Gerald and stuff and I had a few, I even had people come to me from the festival who were um, involved in logistics companies and I explained to them and then they would look into it and then they're like, oh no, nah, we can't do that. Um, and then I, I, rang, I rang around, I even rang the biggest importer of coffee into New Zealand, um, who's actually a really, he's really um, generous with his time and I met with him, he wouldn't touch anything out of Uganda. Um, and yeah, so brutally honest, my heart response was, see, your dream won't happen. It can't happen, and it's your fault. It's actually never going to happen. Uh, it's been eight years, and everyone's doing it. It's not even unique. And so even though I believe God gave me the dream, it didn't, I didn't involve him at this point. So looking back now, it seems dumb, but I, I felt like when I was preparing this that other people in the room would have dreams, and I thought the more honest I am, the more they'll connect. Um, and so it's been quite a process to shift this thinking. Um, I'd say that it took at least probably 18 months, a year to 18 months, kicked off by God teeing up some strategic conversations that caused me to start focusing on leadership and developing that skill in my life. And the, yeah, I mean, the, you're definitely not allowed to read my journal, but you could read my journal and there's like lots and lots of things I've learned. But one thing I really wanted to talk about today was um, leaving space for conviction. Or another way I like to put it is finding a way to rest in the, in the God gaps. Um, so what I, God gaps I mean is like, say this is your dream, fully, fully realized. So like um, co serving coffee at the festival is the start of it for me, but fully realized is buying every harvest, which is twice a year, and really helping to solidify Gerald's business in Uganda so that he's really fruitful with what he's doing. Um, and then... The God gap I'm talking about is like where I could get to myself, which is ringing every shipping company and no one will touch it. And then that, that gap there. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm always, I, I really like the saying, like work as if it's all up to you and trust as if it's all up to God. Um, except I was kind of rolling with work as if it's all up to you. If you can't get it done, you've only got yourself to blame. And I didn't really trust. I just accused myself when I actually couldn't get something done. So this changed in May when we were redoing the packaging for one of our brands, and our designer said, <laughs> so we've been pussyfooting around this idea of wanting to bring in the coffee, 
and help these farmers, it would be so cool if we could put it on the packaging. And what's stopping you? You sound like you've got the right contacts. And so I could feel this like self-blame rising like while I was in that meeting. Um, and the thing that was stopping us at that point is essentially no shipping company would touch it. Um, it's a legitimate roadblock um, out of my control. And I left that meeting extremely frustrated, feeling like a failure. It was enough of a challenge, though, to, for, to, for me to get pretty honest with God and say, you know, this designer makes a lot of sense. I believe this dream is from you. I can't seem to get anyone to bring it in. And I sort of shifted back into this conviction mode where I was, like, pestering God. Um, within a week of that, um, I actually had... I was making coffee in our cafe, and I had a, I was chatting with a lady who was making coffee for, and um, she worked for a logistics shipping company. Um, I mentioned about wanting to bring the coffee in, and, like, it's not hard. Like, people get really engaged with the concept. But um, by the end of the day, like, she had come back with, yeah, we can, well, we can probably do that. Yep, we can work with that. Um, and then by the end of the week, we had a quote, which was actually cheaper than I thought, um, which was awesome. Um, but sort of, yeah, so that was cool. But the challenge didn't stop there. It sort of felt like we'd opened up a can of worms. Um, the terms of the contract, because we had to go through another company, um, were all payment all up front, which is cool, because I totally trust Gerald, and we would definitely get the coffee. Um, but we're sort of dealing with, you know, about 60,000 US dollars, and um, which is quite a significant amount of money for us in our business. Um, and... You know, he messaged me the day after we paid that money to say that 10 bags had got nicked out of his warehouse and um, by one of the guys he'd employed. So, you know, it was just, like, really out in the realms of, like, what are we going to do here? Um, the other funny slash scary um, th part of it was that... So, like I said, Uganda's landlocked, and so Kampala is the capital where his warehouse is, and then Mombasa is the shipping port in Kenya. There's no company in the world that will insure stock on that road. So, um, so we had to... So we paid the money, and we, so our insurance policy was praying, and we had a guy... Um, we had a guy who Gerald employed who sat on top of the container with an AK. Um, <laughs> And while it drove along that road, but it's like no one, no one will touch it. But as soon as it passes the ship's rail in Mombasa, then you've got insurance. So, yeah, it's just like those things where... And, but, but at that point in time, like, I've got a massive amount of skin in the game, so there's not much you can do, right? You're, like, sort of praying and, and yeah, praying and hoping and trusting God. And then I suppose the last, the last big thing was um, coming into New Zealand... MPI is very strict, and so we have, we're completing a lot of paperwork, and um, I think it's this photo here. So that was the only photo I had to say that it had been sorted, which isn't bad, like, they, that is how they do it, but I showed it to a guy, like, casually at MPI, and he was, like, he didn't really comment, but it just made us nervous, so we were sort of very fingers crossed, praying that it would pass. Um, and I think, so I think the guys are going to hand out the cold brew now. Don't drink it, it's like communion, but it'll take a wee while to get it through everyone. So I'll just continue talking and then, yeah. So anyway, um, so six months later, after that initial um, challenge from our designer, taking it to God, we had the coffee landed in New Zealand um, and I turned up at the um, processing facility in Auckland 
Um, borrowing a uh, truck off the Sally's, it was a big family store truck, to transport it back to the roastery. And um, waiting for the MPI guy to arrive, and he was late, so I was sitting there and I was just praying and on Instagram, trying to kill some time. And, um, and then, yeah, just like, ca so casually, eh, like came out, yeah, that's coffee, some of the best coffee we've seen, it's really great, walked out, it was just like, if only you knew how stressful this was. But um, yeah, so it was just such a great, like, for me, it was a huge thing, and it actually took a couple of days to actually come down that, off that um, stress of, you know, holding onto it, and then obviously, like, giving it to God, but you're still human, and so, like, you're still thinking about it. Um, so, yeah, the learning that I wanted to leave you with today was, um, with your relationship with God, live out of a place of conviction. If God's given you the dream, he's interested in helping make it happen, um, rather than condemnation, and it's all up to you. It says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The frustration of trying to do it all in my strength actually drove me to the point of asking for help from God. Um, the annoying thing is there is, a, there is a gap between your dream from God being fully realized and where you'll be able to go to by yourself. Um, there's nothing wrong with seeing this gap and talking to God about it, and I believe that's the start of true faith. Um, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God doesn't mind you saying you need a hand from him. I actually think he loves it. Well, actually, one of the coolest things about the shipping company is that when the coffee landed and we did some roasting on it, the first roast, I made sure I put aside a bag of the um, first roast to give to that, lady, that first lady who was from the logistics company. And um, she couldn't make it in, so she sent her husband in. And I was just chatting to him. And um, he was like, you know what's crazy? It's like, that's not even what her company does. They, they just do logistics internally in New Zealand and Australia. So they don't even have, they don't even do um, stuff, especially not in Africa. So for me, that was a real, a real uh, acknowledgement that it was, a, it was like a miracle, a tangible miracle of God to help us bring that in. So definitely praise God for that. Um, so I hope you've got something out of that. Um, what I wanted to do with this communion today is I wanted to create a space for you all to reflect on where you have a dream from God and then the gap of actually seeing that happen. Um, and then, and th so the gap of seeing it happen and where you can, can go to by yourself. And I want you to sit there and as we drink, um, I want you to, um, I want you to try and find rest in that gap. So we're going to do like communion. So think about your dream from God. And then while you're, while you're in that gap, while you're in that like thing of like, okay, this is where the gap is, or if you're just trying to figure it out, pray to yourself and ask God where he sits in that dream. Oh, cheers, bro. Um, oh, and this is the Ugandan, by the way. This is the um, Ugandan cold brew. Um, and then I'll leave a bit of space, 30 seconds, some silence, and then I'll pray, and then I'm going to give it back to Haley. Is that all good? Okay. Lord, thank you for everyone here. I believe you've given everyone here dreams and desires, and I know based on my experience that you miraculously move to make these dreams come reality. I pray right now that you start the process of re revealing yourself more and more to these people as they rest in that gap between where they end and where you begin. Lord, I pray that you tangibly, you start the tangible answer 
to the prayers prayed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Can you give him a round of applause? Thank you. I'm not sure that uh, a uh, Bruno Mars cover was the silence you were expecting, but it was a beautiful moment nonetheless. <laughs> um, Jacob, that was awesome. It was so cool to hear your heart, um, to hear your story. Um, and particularly, like, I liked what you said about heart condition, like for us to check our heart condition and our heart responses to the things that we think are impossible but are dreams that God has laid on our heart. Um, and I wrote down your motto, which is work as if it's up to you, trust as if it's up to God. Um, and that's a pretty cool takeaway that I hope you all are also blessed by. So um, thank you, Jacob, once again. We'll give him another round of applause. For more episodes, go to festival.one.